Hey everyone, a big welcome to the Forge Ahead Show, hosted by me, Nick Elston, inspirational speaker, creator of unique mental health engagement strategies, a transformational speaking coach, and a mentor to have in your corner. The Forge Ahead Show brings you the storytellers, the influencers, the people who have gone from adversity to excitement, forging something better, something beautiful, something powerful. So stay tuned. Dive in and be inspired by today's very special guest. Hey everyone and a big welcome back to the Forge Ahead Show Season 2 Episode 7. This is flying by, coming thick and fast and this week I have another amazing guest to bring you in the form of Gretchen Betts. Big round of applause for Gretchen. Thank you. Hey. Hi, hi. How are you doing, all right? Very really good, thank you. Yeah, excited to be here, excited to be talking to you. Lovely to have you along for lots of different reasons. Now, our paths crossed through the world of financial well-being. Now, as uh, I was talking about last week with uh, the guest that was on last week, Chris Budd, um, it kind of, the world of financial services and, and wealth management and everything else kind of really came into my play by sharing that lived experience of mental health. So really looking at the relationship between mental health and money from a lived experience perspective, before I even knew financial well-being was a thing, before I knew financial planners were not always just grey suited and booted. Um, and my whole world has been blown apart by this over the past couple of years. And you were absolutely a formative part of that. Um, we've we've carried on our connection through things like NextGen and lots of different events. So. Um, without any further ado, please tell our audience like who you are and what you do. Right. So, yes, I'm Gretchen Betts. And uh, I'm... <laughs> it's like the I'm, chase, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Gretchen Betts and I'm a financial planner. I live in South Wales and I run a business called Magenta Financial Planning. I am... I don't know how much more information you need. Well, the team at Magenta <laughs> is about, uh, about nine people. And has been set up for about almost five years. So we're coming up to our five year anniversary. And I originally set that up with a business partner, but now it's just me, sole business owner with um, some wonderful staff and team supporting me, which is going really, really great. Um, and yeah, so I live in South Wales. I've got two cats. I've got a family, but not a family who live with me. I've got a family that like a brother and sister and my mum and dad. And um, they live in Wiltshire, so that's not too far away. So, in- oh, it's not too far away. And actually, I yeah. noticed that you've picked up already on the cat element. Crazy cat lady is actually in your official LinkedIn write-up. I like that. Um, yeah. What it's cats do you have? Of, you know, <laughs> it's nothing to be ashamed of. I think it's the new cool, personally. But yeah, they've been my saving. You know, animals. Uh, well, especially through COVID, for everyone, animals have been certainly saving grace for a lot of people um, to give them that bit of sanity and 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 certainly that's been the case with me but also I've been incredibly lucky like I I set up a Twitter account about six years ago for my cat Basil at the time and I've met people all over the world because of that and also had been have been at various financial planning things where people have brought that up on stage and it's been like a great kind of like um conversation starter and people you know it's been it's been fab to admit to that because it's just a great starting point for people to talk about so 
I love yeah. that. How many cats do you have? Now I've got two. So yeah. yeah, so I originally adopted a cat from Basil um, through Pass Protection, but he passed away in December, just after. Oh, I'm sorry to hear. Uh, yeah, well, we've been lockdown buddies and he was ill for a little bit. And now I've got two, um, yeah, two Persian kitties called Pumpkin and Teddy, who are ruling my life right now because they're only six months old. So they will have most of the time. <laughs> I'm very fortunate I stay on the right side of my cat. So I've got a, a big, aggressive ginger tongue called Woody. Uh, came from a little bit of a, a rough upbringing, so he's got a bit of a, a, a bit of a temper, <laughs> shall we say? However, so you can't really blame him to be fair. But however, he, he does seem to choose me as the one he goes to, so he will cuddle in and stuff. So he, we definitely have more of a bond, I would say, because every time he sees my wife, he just tries to like launch an attack. So that's, that's not a good thing. It's interesting you say that actually about kind of pets and and lockdown. Um, I get that completely. More so, I say with my with my dog, given the temperament of the cat. Um, yeah, I get that. And I was actually reading this week that um, the new rise in in uh, the, the most popular business that's being set up is around dog sitting and cat sitting now, because coming away from lockdown and people getting back out into the world and doing their stuff, there's going to be a lot of kind of like separation anxiety going on for pets, isn't it? Yeah, and I've, I've got friends who have always said, oh, we're, no, we're too busy to have a dog or we're too busy to have a pet because we go away this many times a year and, and they've just gone, well, we haven't been away. We're just going to, you know, and people have, have gotten pets to, to add an element of excitement almost <laughs> change up to their life. And I think there will be a whole, whole yeah, you know, those self-employed people who want to be, be pet sitters, they're going to be, there's certain, there's certain, definitely certain jobs that, are in high demand right now, along with mm. people laying patios and building outside areas and uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. So we'll see, a, you know, uh, yeah, people need to maybe jump on that 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 train yeah. for a little bit. Every, every cloud, as they say. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned your business name is Magenta. Um, was it purely because of the, the beautiful colour, by the way, but is it purely because of the colour or was there a, a different meaning to that? It was um, when we first named it Magenta, we did quite a lot of research. It's hard thinking of a business name, you know, when we, when we, you know, all we knew was we didn't want it to be our names. I didn't want anything to be Betts or Julie didn't want anything to be Lord, you know, that it didn't really work together. And we went, right, it's got to be something, one word, hopefully easy to say, although people still say it wrong sometimes. Um, (laughs) But, you know, we would just be Magenta was the idea. You wouldn't have to say the whole thing. And, um, but also we then, we found, we did loads of research and I found one night, you know, on your iPhone, just sort of about the psychology of the colour. And magenta has really strong connections with the way we wanted to think about how we did financial planning. So offering reassurance, having confidence, um, you know, a, a sort of peace of mind. It's quite, a, so it's weird. It's quite, magenta is a colour of its own. You know, on the colour spectrum, it's called magenta. It's not really any made up of anything else. But actually, if you think about it, it's kind of a red and it's kind of a blue, you know, in between those two. And yep. red is really quite, you know, strong and sort of quite aggressive, isn't it? And you think about, you know, if you'd had a red logo, wasn't that happy with that. And then the blue, maybe that's a bit calmer and, you know, more, more. Um, but certainly deemed more corporate. If you think about all of the banks and stuff, they could be blue calm reassurance sort of 
that kind of yeah and so the for me it's about that in between it's about making sure there's that personality and fireness etc and then and, and you know bringing confidence to people being a people person and then having that overlay of of, of knowing the stuff offering reassurance you know and giving them so hopefully yeah the, the color itself has a lot of meaning behind it and we've just fell in love with that and wanted to and decided that was I think that's pretty cool. I mean, the um, weirdly, like fun but nerdy fact that <laughs> my in my corporate days, uh, for, for a vast majority of my career, I worked with uh, printers and copiers. So I knew that magenta was a standalone colour along with cyan and yellow. So I, all that kind of geeky, nerdy stuff come back and I thought, yeah, I know that she's right. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's worked really well for me. I mean, A, I've always kind of liked pink, so that, that works well. <laughs> and then and then once we started it, we're like, actually, could we do more of this brand? And it's just developed over the five years and it's become sort of the thing. So yeah, always, always try and have something magenta on. Mm. My wardrobe is definitely, the work wardrobe is definitely... <laughs> very magenta and then I have a whole different thing going on for the rest of the, for the weekend um and uh it's just become great because people just instantly recognize it and um it's offered us a really yeah just nice brand identity which people have resonated with which has been yeah. fantastic yeah absolutely and, and it's, it also your personal brand is is really impressive uh genuinely I meet a lot of people in your space and you're certainly a standout person and not just because of your qualities as a personally and professionally, but in terms of your personal brand as well. Um, and it's interesting, people do pick up on those memory hooks. I mean, you mentioned about red and, and, and that being kind of like a power color. People will actively play on that uh, blue and the same, as I said, especially in a corporate setting. It's no surprise most social media platforms use lowercase and blue, and it's a very kind of familiar kind of feel. Um, but actually, people remember you on lots of different levels. I know with me, it's the cap. I mean, I actually got booked once for saying, oh, you the guy with the cap and the beard. Yeah, that's me. Right, okay, we're going to book you. What if I never had a cap and a beard? What, yeah. what would you say there? Yeah. <laughs> Kind of, I did try shaving last year, and and I, it may have been it may have been a breakdown, but I'm not quite sure. But I did try shaving last year, and it, it was weirdly it had a quite a negative effect on stuff. Weirdly, mm, so I, I get the personal brand thing, but yeah, I think I've had a conversation with another next gen planner about this before about how um, there are certain characteristics which make people warm to you more, and um, you know, and and, the, and that then may conversely put people off. And I do think you have to think about that. You know, we spent a long time building the Magenta brand, but Julie and I were very big advocates of having a personal brand that you could, that's, that reflects our business, yeah. you, know, you know, reflects the business, but that you, you're comfortable with. Like, I don't want people to pretend that that's not, not there. You know, I don't, I'm not. And I think if you can be a bit quirky, I've always been a bit quirky. You know, I don't think there's any harm in bringing some of that. And for me, no. having your own business means that you can you can confidently do that. Um, yeah, I think so. When when I worked for a lot of the big corporates, I felt like I had to toe the line with maybe um, you know a not what I wore. So I was never told what to wear. But you want to fit in. You don't want to stand out. You want to. And that was probably an age thing for me at the time as well, you know, sort of finding my feet, finding who I am. But I think that looking back, I definitely just tried to mix in with everybody else. So that's why you get so many people just wearing the same thing and just, just being <laughs> yeah. the personality because everyone doesn't want to really stand out and stuff. And 
And I think, um, you know, working with Julie over the years and then being able to find this amazing group of people in Next Gen and, and then starting the business, it all just layers those confidences on you that actually you yeah. can be the person that you are openly to people. Yeah, and, and that's com- you're coming from a space which is traditionally, I guess, one of the the last bastions, I would say, of, of the traditional business kind of uh, ethos of you must wear a suit, you must... And it's driving that kind of real positive culture change, I think, as well. I think that, weirdly, I think that for girls, for women, it's a little bit easier in that. Okay. Because for years, we've not wear... I've got a suit jacket on today, but I hardly ever wear a suit, same because it's bright pink that I've got it on you know I mean <laughs> I I am um, I and uh, you know I, I I think it's slightly easier for women in that field because we can maybe show our personality a bit more with what we're wearing and, and that kind of thing and I thought some of the guys in next gen and, and you know other financial planners I know you know other than just deciding to take that box that you'll never wear a suit that you might go for the chino and shirts there's not that much you know more but we make such a big deal out of it about whether people mm. should wear a suit or whether they you know it's no different to just you know as I, we've, we've talked a lot about it's got to be tailored to your audience so are your clients going to be comfortable still to talk to you in the same way and open up in the same way then as long as they are I don't think it matters that much really but we there's yeah. still ongoing conversations about it in our field <laughs> like seriously it's a big deal still and um, yeah. I always remember I used to work at, for an accountancy practice and um, there was a guy there he was he was the accountant for the farmers so he was you know he was the one who did all the sport the farming agricultural accounts and stuff and I always remember talking to him and him just going well, I'm not gonna wear a suit because they're all gonna come in their like wax jacket and wellies with probably the dog in the van. And you know what that doesn't relate, they can't relate to me. Absolutely. You know, so that's really important when you think about who you're dealing with in any job, I think, and people yeah. is they relate people relate to, to people. Yeah, I think you're right. I think also coming from a, a general corporate kind of background, I would say there were certainly if you look at the the way that I dressed when I first started speaking about this stuff now and how I dress now, it was like, like an evolution of man model. I went from suit to waistcoat to trousers and tie, and then the, then the tie went and the waistcoat went. And so it, it is an interesting one. I think it does come with confidence and also respect for your audience, as you said. I don't have to be mindful. They're not investing in me. They're not, I'm not dealing with that in that sense. Uh, however... I kind of really set a stall out. Somebody says to me, oh, why do you wear the cap? Why do you wear your jeans? And Because that's what I do, even in London law firms going in jeans, cap, check shirt, that kind of stuff. I think there's two reasons. I think the first thing is that I, I can't deliver authentically or authenticity dressed like something I'm not. So that's the first one. I think the second one is more bloody minded that if I'm going to run a business for, for potentially for the only time ever, I'm going to do it completely how I want to do it. <laughs> so there was that element too. But the audience that I have is different and they're buying in on a different level. So I absolutely get that. I mean, speaking historically about kind of your industry as well, uh, and even now, certainly speaking from people in your community, the the pressures involved in your industry are actually quite heavy and quite full and fast. How do you kind of maintain your own well-being? How do you kind of look after yourself when, when things are stressful? Yeah, I mean, it is. You, 
it's not I don't you know I'm definitely not going to put it in the same as being a social worker you know but I think you know having having friends who are in that field and some of the difficulties that people are dealing with right now you know certainly I'm not we're not at that end you know but we are taking on a lot of typically taking a lot of burden that might be highly emotive, especially around money. Um, and also sometimes you just pick up the phone and someone's had a really awful day and they are gonna need to talk about that. And I had one last week where I just, you know, went on the Zoom call and she just had a really devastating phone call like five minutes before. Wow. So how are you going to deal with that if they want you to, you know, are you gonna be there to support them if you, if, you know, if you want to? So yeah, I do feel that sometimes we do take on a lot of um, yeah difficult. We have difficult conversations with people. That then, how are you going to deal with that? I'm quite lucky. I do compartmentalise it quite a lot. You know, I I just sort of work is work, and then I do manage to. I've always been quite good at sort of shutting off and 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 walking away, but. And when you own a business and it is your, you know, that is it's your job to deal with all of those problems. And then COVID as well has made that harder because when we were all stuck at home, you know, that that thing of leaving the office and and leaving that behind becomes harder. And so many people have talked about how they haven't been able to switch off because they've literally gone downstairs and it's taken a minute, you know, and then they're meant to be in a different zone to deal with their family or deal with their you know, whatever's going on. Um, so, it, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not perfect at it, but I think that I've gotten quite good at knowing where my bounce, so I know when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed about it. Yeah. Um, so if I start to interesting. panic or start to feel overwhelmed, I'll, I'll, I'll ease off a little bit, maybe. So yeah. I'll, I'll take a few days where I'm not working as long or hours or I'll, um, you know, refocus on something else. So I do an awful lot of, um, well, the cats help, obviously. Oh, seeing course. friends helps, going for walks helps, you know, just talking to people helps. But I do, um, I do quite a lot of craft and Okay, art. what do you do? So I, wow. I do a bit of everything, to be honest, but... Um, <laughs> So my original, my degree was in ceramics. So I have a degree art. in ceramics. Yeah, yeah. So I've got an art background, but and I did foundation art before I went to uni and everything. So, and I learned in that a bit of everything. So over the summer, I well, I I do a bit of weaving. I've done. I do a bit of macrame. I do lots of kind of big wall art stuff, and then I can I do some painting. I'm doing some painting at the moment. I'll do a bit of everything, you know, I've done some printing. So yeah, when I moved into my house about three years ago now, I I made the investment to have a building put at the end of the garden, which is now my studio and my space. So I guess in 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 the man's terms, it'd be called a man cave, but it's not a man cave, it's a studio. So uh, uh, what's the word I, I did hear a term for this? A she shed. A she shed, it's a she shed. Um, but <laughs> it was like the best money I've ever spent getting that done so that I knew that I, it was separate. I didn't have to tidy stuff away because half the problem with doing things is that 
or anything in your house, you know, you <laughs> office, if it's your office or your, you've got a piano, whatever it is, it, it, it's in your, it's taking up space of other parts of your house. So to have it be able to be separate, honestly, was the best thing. And then when lockdown came, I spent so much time in that after work, you know, and, and, and just did loads. And it really helps focus. Like, I just don't think about anything else when I'm making. So that's a big, big driver for me, yeah, to make sure I can do have time to do that. Love that. I know from I've been had the real pleasure of being on your podcast um, previously, and one of the things that you were talking about was your love of travel. Yeah. Um, and obviously, as we record this in April, I think, yeah, April. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've lost track of time. Still, yeah. <laughs> um, we've had a year of of lockdown, obviously <laughs> the pandemic. How has that kind of felt for you, having that kind of restriction on you? And what are your plans as soon as you can escape this? Yeah. So one of my big inspirations has been able to travel places and see different things. So and experience different cultures, which then I think inspires um, a multitude of things. I think it inspires craft, art, but it inspires me work and branding and marketing and, and all sorts of things that you might might do because it all involves creativity. So I have found it, well, it's weird. I found it difficult and not difficult because if you put it in perspective of like the fact you haven't seen your family, then no, it's not hard because just because I haven't been able to go anywhere, I yeah. think I would put seeing your friends and family and seeing people way over and above whether you can travel. And I think, I can't speak for everyone. I reckon most people would say that that's the case. So I haven't. I, I mean, when we went into lockdown, I had major trips planned that year. So I had um, a big trip to the USA planned, which was uh, country music orientated. So we were going to go to like, yes. I, knew, I knew you'd like yes, that. Yeah. We were going to go to, we were flying to Florida, then we are going to New Orleans, then we are going to Memphis, Nashville, doing the whole loop and ending up in Atlanta. Because there's two things that, other things I'm passionate about, country music, but also... Um, I absolutely um, was obsessed with Gone with the Wind, the movie when I was younger. So, okay. and, Scar- and Scarlett as the kind of key kind of woman of, of strength in that movie. And uh, so of course there's loads of ties to O'Hara and Scarlett in, and Gone with the Wind in, in the Southern States. So we were, we were planning out, I was planning on doing that. It was gonna be a really big trip with my parents, which will probably be one of the biggest trips that will ever now probably one of the last trips we would have done because they're you know getting older so that got delayed i had a canada trip planned and i had a couple of others um lined up and those all got cancelled and yeah it would have been amazing to be doing them but i think they will get rearranged you know so you said you but i've digressed a bit you said um what did what did i think i'd do when we can yes Um, and my answer is this year, I don't think I'll do anything, even if we can. I think, I think it's not, it's, uh, taking that risk is not for me. Um, so that Does that include within the UK or? No, I'm going to do some UK. So yeah, I'm going to yeah. Scotland this coming month or something um, in May um, to a place where I've always been as a child. So again, it will just be a recuperation and relaxation kind of trip. And mm. yeah, a couple of other things with family my 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 brother and sister who are twins are going to be 40 so we've got a big kind of thing family thing for that 
Um, and yeah, and then next year, hopefully these other trips will happen. Canada will happen and maybe the US will be back on because I do really want to do the trip. It, Absolutely. It sounds amazing. Uh, definitely. The agenda was just amazing. And I just, it's, you know, it's quite upsetting to think we didn't get to do it. But, I'm sure yeah. it'll happen. Send me the agenda. I'm really keen to kind of follow your, your yeah. path that you're setting. That's great. Um, yeah. So I mentioned your podcast. Tell us about your podcast. It's a great listen. And all the links to everything that Gretchen's talking about, her business and the podcast, are all going to be in the bio. So please do check her out and connect. So your podcast, tell us about it. Yeah, so the podcast was like a lockdown project, which... Okay. I think it will continue and we'll do a, I'll do another series this year but it was a series of eight episodes that was addressing the fact that in our profession in financial services we we still do have a really significant problem when it comes to um diversity and inclusion and it sprang out of obviously loads of stuff that was going on last summer summer um especially in connection with race and then it kind of escalated from there to, well, what other sort of stuff should I be learning about and thinking about? And started off as a kind of personal project about what should we be thinking about? And then I thought, you know, we should, we should probably get something, you know, together so that we can share this information. So, yeah, the podcast talks to a variety of people about, and um, say, uh, race, uh, sex, uh, age, Spoke to you about mental health, obviously. Yes. We covered disability. Um, and I just found it really fascinating when you started to really think about it, you know, all the layers that, that really we, we could just be doing better in our profession to be, to, and for me, actually, what came out of it is like attracting, to be more inclusive, to mm. attract people who mm. aren't like as privileged as I am. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. When we think about our branding, are we thinking about who it is that we are? You know, are we being inclusive? Are we being diverse? Are we, you know? And I think that with Magenta, I've always tried to tick one of those boxes, which is a female advisor attracts more females when we know that actually the majority of people that take advice are male. And that's probably because they see 70% of the advisors are male. So I feel like I've been ticking a bit of a box, but I certainly don't think that I've, I've gone as far as I could as a business to think about that. And I wanted other people to be thinking about that as well. It's phenomenal. And as you, your work as a speaker, because you speak at events as well, um, sharing your insights and stuff. That's also another interesting kind of matter that I shared a few shows ago that when I run my monthly speaking academy sessions, 80% are female. 80% of the attendees are female. So the desire to deliver a message, whatever that message may be, is there. So why is it when I get to the stage events, especially, that 80% are male? And I think, as you just said, there's a disconnect. Now, but it's only through people like yourself who are actually going out there to answer these questions and putting that kind of content out there that we start to question that. And it's something that I'm championing. And it's also important to recognise, and you've touched on it already, you don't have to be in that community, in that demographic, to still fight for positive change. Um, so I've represented this a few times, promoting female speakers into the space because traditionally they feel they haven't had a voice. So you can kind of understand the lag, maybe, but it's really time to address this because I see I think, at the grassroots as a desire, but it's not coming through at the end. 
I think that's what a lot of the conversations need to be about. It's about allyship. It's about someone else helping uh, the minority to reach that platform. Not speak for them, but just give them maybe mm-hmm. the stepping stones to get there. And yeah. I think that the, 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 it's quite interesting what you say about your, you know, about your training and then what you see on stage. I've watched quite a lot of um, TEDx and, and YouTube videos about this. I would indicate that probably the reason why 70% of the people on your course are women is because we're not confident enough and we want to better ourselves. But ultimately, um, the men think they're good. <laughs> the men think they are almost good enough already. So, and they're already on the stage. So they don't need to prove that, you know, they're already getting asked. Oh. They're already there, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I find speaking, it gets easier, but I don't, you know, I find it quite quite terrifying um, in the sense, but typically it's because I stand up and you all, of course, have that imposter syndrome thing and should I be here or shouldn't I? And I think I can control it. But the last time I did a public speaking thing, because let's face it, COVID stops us doing like majority <laughs> of that face to face, but in yeah. a big room, you know, was about the need for offering more diversity and getting more women involved in financial services. And I delivered it to a room that was 92% male. So of course I was really, really, really scared because I was going to talk about how I think more of me should be sat in your seats. I want more of your cake, please. And, yeah. you know, because in the in the podcast, I think in the conclusion episode, one of the speakers we have on that talks about the reality is that if we try and even the score, you know, try and even that split, it means that men will have to release some of that. You know, we've got to, it's going to have to shift. So we we do constantly come up against, you know, some negativity about it because it's the defense system going, you know, that fragility going, oh, hang on, you're attacking me now because I'm doing, I'm, it's not about that. It's how are we going to make this a more inclusive um, uh, business, whatever it is your business is, you know, how are we going to make that, that mm-hmm you know, um, a, a lot more fair, I guess, and, 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 or at least representative of, for us in financial services, I want it to be representative of society, which is not 70% male. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind so, of screwed if it was. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we, we need to, um, so yeah, I don't know whether that makes sense. Interesting, yeah, no, it's, it's a great, and, and thank you for, uh, for sharing your insights on that. I mean, the other thing I wanted to mention, because um, I could literally talk to you for hours, but for the sake of the listeners, I don't, they don't want to hear me for hours. So, um, so <laughs> financial well-being, um, and it, I guess it, it's such a subjective term, and it means different things to different people. Uh, it means different things to me coming from a lived experience perspective, and it does to somebody who's actually working in the space as a financial planner, as a financial services professional. What does financial well-being mean to you? And why are you so passionate about empowering financial planning? Because there's definitely a difference in your brand and the way that you promote yourself. It's very personally driven. And I'm just wondering if there's a real why there for you. Hmm. So I think for me, the first question was, what is financial well-being? What, what does financial well-being mean to me? I think I think it, it changes client by client. I think it is personal. Financial well-being can't necessarily be, in my view, just ticked as one thing for everyone. It, 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 
it's got to be personal. So it might be that for some clients, it's about getting control, understanding, really feeling comfortable that they understand what they're doing. For others, it might be because they've got a specific goal that they really want to try and achieve. And we can help sort of nurture them to that goal and and making big decisions with sort of educated information. Because a lot of financial stuff is just jargon and things people don't understand and, and and people bury their heads you know they just don't want to deal with it it's easier to deal with something else and so we can you know i think if we can get everyone just really on the top of their game when it comes to understanding money mm-hmm. whatever level that is for them um it can bring you know a really really good sense of financial well-being and i do think it's different for everyone mm-hmm. um so so that's that's it from that angle. And then for us, it's quite interesting because the concept of financial well-being is a relatively new thing that we're all talking about. You know, like you, you mentioned that you, you interviewed Chris the previous episode. Well, you know, the, the Institute of Financial Wellbeing and every, all the work that Chris has been doing around uh, for, for, a, for a good number of years now around this with his financial well-being podcast and stuff, you know, I think really it's just branded it because we've been doing proper financial planning for so many years that there's been elements of this, what financial well-being is throughout it. It's just that we haven't ever branded it or, or said it like that. And for me, it's just about a personal bespoke service that to make sure the client is, you know, completely in control, understands what they're doing and, doesn't feel patronized doesn't feel but so really gets it that's what I'm passionate about is that someone leaves the room after meeting me and says I completely get everything she said (laughs) rather than leaving the room and going god they said that and I oh that didn't make sense and that was jargon and that was too complicated you know for me that gives a sense of well-being immediately as they leave the room you Mm. know so that's why you know I want things to be as simple as they can be for people and they feel confident then that they can you know really really get a grip to all this stuff and then that has such a knock-on effect the rest of your life about your general well-being doesn't it if you've got that one thing under control yeah it's huge like you said I think it is a case of people do tend to to bury their heads in this and especially if they're at a point of difficulty um Again, I mentioned earlier on or alluded to that that links to money and mental health. It's not just one way that you, you, you see very rich people with, with mental health challenges. You, you see people that have actually got into financial difficulty and that's created mental health challenges. So actually it's kind of, it comes both ways. But that link between, between especially things like anxiety and money is huge because it also keeps people in that zone where they don't reach out for help to people like yourself, people that could actually offer a way forward if somebody was at a point in their life now where they just feel overwhelmed by their money and their situation um what where would you how would you where would you send people but obviously i know you can do this yourself but how would you what advice would you give to that person to be able to have the confidence to reach out for help when they need it most it's it's really difficult because to answer that because I think there is only sadly unless you reach out there is only you who can do take that first step 
you know, no one can actually help you very much with that first step of of making contact. Um, I think the best thing is to do is is not bury your head too much. So I have a lot of experience with clients who, or several clients who would just say, I haven't opened a bank bank statement or anything. I haven't looked at my bank statements for two years. You know, I have no clue what's going on. All I know is I haven't got someone knocking on the door about, you know, but I don't know anything else. And it, and it, it can, I don't know. I'm so scared to do it. Or I've got another client who the other week told me it would just life would just be so much easier without this money. I, I just don't want to have to make the decisions with this money. So it's, you know, everyone's got different layers, as you said. You introduced that. I'm going to yeah. have some clients that have got a lot of money, some clients that don't have a lot of money, you know, and, and everyone's a different layer. But I think, I don't know, maybe it's small steps. Maybe it's just, you know, open that bank account, you know, do open the statement every day or do open the bill and deals with the bills, you know, just do one of those things in a week and just, you know, try and take small steps. And then I guess it's really thinking about, you know, what would help. Mm. Or if you don't know what would help, then yeah, reach out and try and get some uh, guidance by in over the phone about what might be you know if I had a call it would be about how I'd be wanting to know well what would make you feel more in control what steps do you think we could take and we also do um in one of the coaching things that I've been doing recently is just sort of maybe just putting a number on it you know if I asked you on a scale of one to ten like how bad do you feel about the, the you know the state of your money or whatever it is that we were talking about where are you on the scale and then what could what needs to happen to get you slightly up that scale so if you're a one now what do you need to do to get to three mm. feel a bit more confident what do you need to get to five which might be when you could pick up the phone and you know without knowing a specific circumstance that's about the only thing that i think that you know in my mind is, is a way to peel it back and go right what could i do today to try and get myself further up that scale that makes so much sense. And I think also that approach removes the barriers, potential barriers to reaching out for help. I also think it has to be said, and it's just personal opinion, that the the, the new kind of culture coming through as opposed to traditional kind of mindset, that also removes a barrier because it feels softer is the right word, softer to engage with. I'm, I'm probably a better word than softer. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I mean, you know, we've... <laughs> I mean, financial advice, advisors, financial planners, whatever you want to call us, you know, <laughs> even, the, even the banks, if you put it down to it, you know, get a bit of a bad, the majority of us, you know, we've got a bad, sadly, a bad reputation built on things that have happened previously. So I think that, you know, a good financial advisor, you know, who's independent is going to be more than happy to signpost you if, if they can't help you directly. Um, you know, and but also there's tons of podcasts out there now as well. There's loads of really good resources, isn't there, that you can there is. listen to without having to engage anyone if if yeah. you don't want to do that. You know, so absolutely, and and loads of um, information online as well. But I, I, yeah, you know, I think if you're at a stage at that real low, you've got to start right. What could make me feel better about this initially? And then I'd also say, if you did that scale thing and you're actually on a five, there's not quite, you know, that's not too bad. Like five, <laughs> yeah. five and ten, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. I think. I think with um, 
I also wanted to ask you this question, really. I think from a, I guess, from a personal development, professional development, certainly a mental health perspective in terms of how we positively uh, kind of build our mental health. Um, the past year has kind of forced a lot of people into survival mode. So what I mean by that is if, if we don't know what the end looks like right now, exactly, still, we don't know when the end's going to be exactly right now. How do we then kind of set goals, aspirations, and that kind of stuff? And so from a from my sector, from my world, a lot of people have gone back into that survival mode. Have you kind of uh, heard from your clients on this in terms of the planning their finances and setting their financial goals and aspirations? Have people become more kind of we have what we hold or, or are people still making plans the best that they can? I think there's a scale. <laughs> I think yeah. there's some people who have just been like, you know, especially in the first part of lockdown, our first lockdown, everyone was in a bit of shock, yeah. you know, and what, this can't be happening to our lives. Let's face it, we're all like in denial of like what was going on. <laughs> and I think, um, I think I, I did have plans. We definitely, everyone just tightened, everyone just shut everything down. They just like, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to spend anything. I'm just going to hibernate and I'm just going to see what happens. And now we've been in it like over 12 months. And I think people are starting to be like, right, well, you know, I, I still do want to do some stuff, but maybe I'm going to change what that is. You know, we didn't go to Mecca. So what are we going to, you know, we've got something else we want to put that funding, you know, towards. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot also of like parents and grandparents, you know, reviewing their thoughts about whether they want to help the younger generation more. Let's spend a little bit of that, you know, okay. maybe I'll direct some funds, especially because, you know, if you've had grandchildren lose jobs or children lose jobs in this, you know, you want to help if you can. So there's been certainly some clients who are doing that. Have some clients lose jobs, some clients have to really think about what they're going to do, set up own businesses, change what they were doing. So I think, yeah, there's that camp that just went right. I'm sitting still, I can't do anything. There's the camp that were forced into doing things because they have no choice. And then there's these people who, who actually, as soon as we can fly, will fly and go somewhere and want to do it. Or um, as soon as they can book the guy in to do the garden refurb, they'll be booking it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so... So what about, the, what about the transactional nature of financial planning? So I know... Now I'm I'm not completely up to speed with this, but when I was kind of back in my my networking days, where I was meeting a lot of financial planners on the networking kind of circuit, that um, they were always very kind of maybe even passionate. Sometimes it was it was an in person service, but um, it was I guess these were before the times of electronic signatures and stuff as well. Because I am that old. Oh, yeah, like um, face to face sort of like. Yeah, actually, it's a face to face. Well, we used to go physically in a room. Yeah, yeah, that's that one. Shake yeah. hands with people, you know, even yeah. hugs. I miss hugs so much. Question is untrue. Um, but that aside, um, in terms of the transactional nature of the business, do you think that this has created a lot of positive change for how we do things ongoing as well? Yeah, undeniably. I mean, I think, um, you know, our, our business is not that transactional anyway, because we are doing, we're looking after people for a long, hopefully for their life, you know, we yeah. want an ongoing relationship. Um, so I think th- it will have affected the businesses that were still doing transactional business when they were relying on someone to come in and put a new pension contribution in and walk out the door and never see them again. But I'm, I'm a bit not okay with that because I've not been in that world for like for years and years and years. So okay. I, I don't really know how it's affected them. But um, 
you know, for us, we've had some clients, most clients have embraced the um, the online world. They've had to, like everyone else has. And we've taken on new clients still. We've taken on clients from all over because, I mean, we as it was, we did have clients all over the UK, but I've seen that expand. You know, the, the grounds of geography doesn't matter anymore, does it? It doesn't matter whether you're in London and I'm in South Wales or, you know, in Newcastle and I'm in South Wales. You know, it, it doesn't matter. And so I've seen that open up doors that people who really want to deal with us don't have to go, oh, but I don't even wait. Not that that was ever a problem before, but they might have thought that on the website, you know, they're miles away. So that's helped. The only issue I have with it, and I still want to see people because I'm a people person and I like to see people's eyes and, you know, their body language and stuff. You you have to on Zoom, you have to like do all this to make (laughs) Oh, it's like yeah. not just a statue, you know, and you're animating. Um, <laughs> I don't like that very much, you know. Um, but also, I've got some clients, you know, who are elderly or might have learning difficulties, who it's not good for. Mm. And 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 even people, some people I'm dealing with who I would say do have severe anxiety and, and mental health problems who really do actually need a face-to-face, yeah. you know, to just give them that extra bit of reassurance. You cannot do that as well on, on, on camera. Thank you. Yeah. And as I ask everybody, the final question to you today, I have just been made the MC of the O2 Arena. 20,000 people have paid a hard-earned money to come and hear you speak. And who wouldn't do? That's why you're going to ruin it. Reason. Um, <laughs> I'm just about to announce you to the stage and your walk-on music kicks in. What would your walk-on music be and why? Okay, so my walk-on music, and I think I've shared this with you before, like, because you did the um, the Next Gen thing, didn't you, the Spotify? Yes, the Next Gen playlist. Um, my walk-on music is Carly Minogue's Dancing. Now, the and the reason why is because I've been a Carly Minogue fan for, for, the, for my whole life, but this is her country-inspired album, which I've flipped in the door. And... Um, also, it's just about, you know, yeah, it's basically like whatever I do, I want to go out dancing. So whether it's nice. on stage, living your life, or <laughs> eventually when you, you know, go to the paddy gates, you flip and be dancing. And I, and I, and it, and it was a tight, it was always a tight contest between a couple of songs, but yeah. that one, that one's the one for me right now. I love that. And there's a Kylie and a country fan. That must be your real sweet spot once you've done the country. It was, it was absolutely. <laughs> and what a happy note to finish this conversation on. Big thanks for coming on the show. It's been such amazing to talk to you. And, and thank you for donating your busy time to us all. Um, big round of applause, Gretchen Betts. Oh, thank you, Nick. Thank you for having me. And yeah, it's good. It's always good to talk, but it's, it's always, good to talk especially not- now. <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. Talk about lots of different things. Yeah. And if you do want to connect, and I strongly suggest you connect with Gretchen, all the links are in the bio, links to the podcast, links to everything else. Uh, Please do uh, check her out and connect. I'm sure she'll be delighted to hear from you. And again, big thanks to Gretchen. And we'll see you next time. So on next week's show, we have an amazing guy, James Perryman, communications guru extraordinaire. And we'll be looking at different elements of communications and presenting. uh, And as long uh, as well as that, his personal story and sharing his insights with us as well. So look forward to seeing you then. Stay tuned and take care. See see you then. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's a wrap. 
a big thank you for tuning in to today's show. Please stay tuned and hit subscribe for future episodes, bringing you amazing guests, sharing amazing content and amazing insights. Really excited to bring you these. The Forge Ahead Show is sponsored by NickElston.com. If you want to connect with me, you can find all the ways possible through the website. If you want to drop me a message, always great to hear from you. But in the meantime, if I don't catch you before, I'll see you at the next episode. And you take care, guys. Cheers now. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.